everyone, Carlene Fisher here. This is the continuation of God and Government series. And today I'm gonna to be talking about marriage and family government. And I'm going to start in Genesis 2. Last time we learned from Genesis 1 that God created us in his image and he created us male and female. And then uh, we find out in Genesis 2 that really Adam was created first and that there was no suitable helper for him. And so in verse 21 of Genesis 2, it says, And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in its place. Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made into a woman, and he brought her to the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And so we see that God creates Eve for Adam and that she was going to be his helper. And we also see, interestingly, in Genesis 2, that the scripture tells us that the man was going to leave his father and mother to be joined to his wife. Well, in reality, Adam and Eve did not have parents, but God was setting the standard and the example as to how marriage is supposed to look like, that even those people that are closest to us, that we love them most dearly, that at some point in our lives, when we choose to marry someone, that we are to leave our original, our natural family to cleave to our spouse, and that God desires that when the two come together, they become one. And they become one because they're each are looking to the Lord Jesus as their Lord and Savior, and that together they allow God to make them one. And so that's very critical for the kind of marriage that God describes, and it's God's heart for people and for humanity uh, to develop. And of course, we look at um, Ephesians 5, it talks about marriage and that um, the husband is to be the head of the wife and that the husband is supposed to uh, love his wife as Christ loved the church and that the wife is supposed to submit to her husband. And so we see a marriage that is sacrificial. It's a marriage that both are giving, that both are looking to the Lord and are coming together in helping each other and being really working as a team. They're coming together to complement each other and to uh, work towards the purposes that God has intended for them now as a couple, now as one as the united one that God has intended. And so it's important for us to really take a look at scriptures and find out what God says about the role of the husband and the wife. And as I shared, um, the husbands are supposed to be very sacrificial, just as Jesus was sacrificial towards um, the church and that he was willing to sacrifice really everything and his whole focus was to do the will of God and to see the salvation of many that the husband are sacrificially are focusing on their intention on their marriage and later on on their family on doing everything they can for the benefit of them. 
And of course, for the wife, she comes under the submission of her husband because every government has one head. And just as the husband is the head of the wife, but the husband is also submitted to his head, which is um, Jesus Christ. And so that's important for every government to have that line of authority, that there is one head, but that head is submitted to a higher authority and that they're not on their own doing things on their own. And of course, as the marriage develops and procreates and they have children, that then God calls them to teach them um, in God's ways. In Proverbs 22, 6, it says, train up a child in the way he should go. When he is old enough, he will not depart from it. So parents have the responsibility of raising their children in God's ways and teaching them about the Lord. The book of Deuteronomy tells us that when we sit, when we rise, when we walk, to tell our children about the Lord. So that's the responsibility of Christian parents to do that and it's not to be abdicated to the society to the church to the schools even to grandparents but it's the responsibility of parents to ensure that as they're taking care of all the needs of their children that they're also taking care of their spiritual needs and that's telling them about the lord giving them the truth about who they are their identity in christ rather than all the messages that they're going to hear from the world. So the family and home is supposed to be the place where we establish that security, that identity, that stability in their lives, and it gives them clarity as they go out into, um, into the world. And there are uh, scriptures also that um, tell us that children are to obey their parents. Ephesians 6 forces um, that, um, Children, fathers are not to be provoking their children. And uh, in Ephesians 6, 1 through 3 says that children are to obey their parents. So it first starts by saying that children are to obey their parents. And then parents are not to, supposed to uh, provoke their children. And so there is this honor and there is this love relationship in the family that's important that everyone is honoring the Lord first and then they're honoring each other and the children are submitted to their parents and then the parents are also not doing things to lord it over them or to provoke their children to wrath and of course there are scriptures about the hearts of the fathers being turned um, to their children and the children to the fathers and so uh, it's important for us to create an environment where there is love and there is truth and that people can um, talk about things in a way that um, builds each other up and are heard and are understood and also understand that there is an authority, there are boundaries, there are jurisdictions, there is accountability to people within the family government. And that's very important. And of course, the scripture tells us that um, disciplining our children is the responsibility of the parents. And so a loving parent knows how to walk in the balance of truth and grace and ensures that 
the children know the right boundaries. And we do all these things with the hope and prayer that at some point in their lives, they're going to choose to accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior, and that they will begin to own their own faith and their walk with the Lord. And so this is the cycle that God desires for us to create. And really in reality, marriage is the most profound institution that God has created on the earth. It is the building block of every healthy society. And so it's important for us to really value it uh, to really ensure that it's strong and it's healthy. And that means that if a family needs help, if a marriage needs help, if the children need help that they cannot provide on their own, that we can go out seeking that help through our spiritual family, through godly counsel, and seek the counsel and the help and the wisdom that we need to ensure that our family is healthy and strong and that we're moving in the right direction. And when we do these things, we're creating a healthy society and we're also bringing um, the light of Jesus into the world and that we also give hope to other marriages in the world. The reality of it is that 50% of marriages end up in divorce and um, the church has not done any better than the world. And so we have a lot of work to do internally as far as the body of Christ to really pay attention to our family, um, to our marriages, and do what we can and prayerfully ask the Lord to help us to strengthen the marriages and always remembering that God is on the side of our marriage. God desires for our marriage to succeed because our marriage on the earth is supposed to reflect our relationship with the Lord Jesus. And so the stronger the marriages are and the more united we are and the healthier we are, the the better proclamation of our relationship to the Lord. And hopefully that will be attractive to people who desire those things in their own lives. And so that's our message that we can give to the world that's so broken and so many things that go on in the society and the ills of society. When you go down uh, to the root of it, it comes at the level of either self-governance or lack thereof, or it's the break of the marriage and family that has opened the door to a lot of things entering into people's lives. So the stronger the family structure, the family unit is, the stronger we will be in our society. And so I encourage you to really take a look at these scriptures and to meditate on them and ask the Lord how you can strengthen those weak areas that uh, there might be in your life. And for those of you who are single, I encourage you to really take a look at scriptures as far as what the scripture says, uh, not to be unequally yoked, because as we're talking about this oneness in marriage, really that oneness uh, is uh, completely challenged when God is not at the center of it. And so if we're not equally yoked with someone, it's very difficult to be one when we're not spiritually one, when we're not on the same page as far as what our priorities are, what our mission is, and what God's heart and desire is for a marriage. And so it's not about just for us being happy and for us desiring to be married or having a family. God has a purpose for every individual and for every marriage. And when we're yoked together, 
um, spiritually and we know we're going in the same direction of glorifying God, then we give room for God to enter into our marriages, to help us, to strengthen us, and to also lead and guide us in the purpose and direction that he has for us individually as a couple and as a family. So I encourage you to really um, look at various scriptures in this regard, look at the scriptures about marriage and the importance of people looking to the Lord uh, for help, for strength, for living that sacrificial life that a marriage requires in order for a marriage to remain healthy and strong. And so um, I encourage you to do that. So God bless, and I'll talk to you next time.